Just two good old boys. Two good old boys. Never meeting no harm. Be sorry, never saw the hat, no hair since the day they was born. Straighten the curves. Straighten the curves. Flatten the heels. The coffee might get them, but the Lord never will. Broadcasting away. Welcome to a special edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Why? I know we say it every week, but this week is a bit different because we have a live studio audience. We have turned WeWork into our little mini mobile studio for the night to record part of our show with our special dinner guest, Mr. Darren Altclass, and some lucky Mojo Radio Show listeners who are ready to chew his ear off. Welcome, everybody. Oh, mate, it takes me back to the OB days of working. It sounds like a real radio station. Anyway, uh, and of course, navigating the roads uh, tonight in the big red bus we call the Mojo Radio Show. I've got to say, mate, you did a good job getting the bus in here. It was a tight fit reversing it into the, into the lift, lift well. We are in the high ace tonight, mate. So we're here and uh, it was a tight fit, a bit like the T-shirt you're wearing. But hey, look, let's just not get caught up in that. Uh, before we start the show, Darren, author of This Way, Please. Mate, um, first question before we do anything tonight is why why have you come back and why are you buying us dinner? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, my wife asked me that when I left this afternoon. Uh, I just think it was a, uh, you know, a buzz. It's fun to do. Um, by nature, uh, I love giving things. Generosity is one of my key things that I love to do and... And uh, I think it'll just be fun, have a good conversation, and I think it'll be mutually stimulating. Are you at all concerned that Gary's turned up with half a dozen empty takeaway containers and an esky? Uh, Slightly. (laughs) But it's interesting though, Darren, because the guests we have on the show, where we get a real kick out of talking to people like you is guys that actually walk the talk, guys that put the rubber on the road, because generosity actually is part of the book, isn't it? Yes, it's one of the chapters actually, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Tell us... Tell us how that works. So for people who may not have heard the last episode with you, yep. tell us your view on generosity because you're doing it tonight with us here with these guys. What's, what's, what's it mean to be generous as a brand? Well, I'll start with human. I reckon generosity is the most endearing quality of a human. And I think when you are a generous person, people um, find it very hard to forget. And it invokes what they call the law of reciprocity, where people want to give back. And most times they give back 
uh, more than you gave in the first place. That's just human nature. They love to give back. If someone is going to give back, they normally do it twofold. And you transfer that over to a brand, I think it's you know, a fantastic way to build um, a loyal, connected relationship with your customers. Be generous to them, over-deliver. If they buy $100 worth of stuff, give them $110 worth of stuff. Mm. You just decide where you're going to spend that $10 and do it wisely, and I think it will come back to you twofold, at least. Tell me something, mate. The book, we've got it in front of us here. With the book itself, what tends to happen is an author launches a book, goes out, and then you start to get feedback from people. So people write to you, they meet you, you do speaking gigs, they comment on it. What's been the most prevalent takeout that people have taken from the book that you've noticed? So looking back on the success of it, what's been the most prevalent takeout and or surprise that you've taken after the launch of the book? Yeah, one of the most common feedbacks, I think, uh, feedbacks, if that's a word. (laughs) So Um, you obviously have some good editors writing with you. Um, Reciprocity, I'm still, I'm still on that one. That was good. Yeah, I, I struggled over that word, you, you notice. <laughs> um, one of the most common things people have said is that, look, it just all makes sense. And there's nothing really new in there that you've told me. You've just reminded of stuff that I know I should have been doing, but I haven't. And the they've, most common thing people have just said they've been reading it and in their mind they've just said, of course, mm. and nodded their head. That's the most common response I've had. Do you know what's interesting? I'm just going to just bear with me here for a second, Robbo, before we introduce our special guest. Oh, I'm bearing. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because when we arrived here at WeWork in Joyce Street in Sydney, you were talking to Steve and you're talking about the value of a story. And the point you made was we have to market the story to ourselves as much as we do to our customer, which is a really, I, I thought that was gold, right? The other thing I, that I wrote in my journal when you said that was that we almost need to keep a journal or keep it in front of us to remind us to do that. Sure. And so in the same way of you saying, well, it's things that I kind of knew, but you reminded me of it. It's almost like we need to have this repository of these, these bits of gold that we know to keep going back to. Because it seems like everybody's after the next thing. Yeah. Like, give me the next thing. Give me the next thing. Give me the next thing. Yeah. But then they haven't used the bit we gave them last time. So having a book, I think having a book like that is valuable and then having somewhere to keep those great ideas like a journal. Are you finding that is a trick for great marketers who go back to the stuff that they know to be true? Yeah, I I think so. I think great marketers do not overthink marketing. They think about humans, what motivates and inspires humans, and then go deep on that rather than grabbing the new thing that's coming along and, and getting anxiety because they're not on this platform or doing this or that they, you know, they don't even know what they don't know. Not getting anxious about that, but, but going deep on the things that you do know that people love. I think that's a great marketer. I think that's a hallmark of actually a great business. Well, we're going to dig into some more tonight. Let's introduce our guest tonight on the show, Robbo. If you could seat everybody in the back of the bus, ensure their seatbelts are fastened and they know where the oxygen is just in case it falls from the roof, if if you know what I'm saying. Tray tables upright, please, yep. So let's, uh, let's get on with it. The Mojo Radio Show. <laughs> we don't take ourselves too seriously. Oh, thank God. So I guess this week is Lauren Handel Zander. Now, Lauren is, let's just say, bullish on helping you get what you want out of life. Lauren's the author of a book called Maybe It's You. Cut the crap, face your fears, love your life. 
Lauren works with the big end of town, Fortune 500 CEOs, celebrities, even some professors to help create actionable change. And to do that, Lauren's created, as you'll hear during the show, and if you've been a listener with us on the bus for the last number of years, you will have heard Lauren on the show previously. But Lauren's created a very straight up style of life coaching. It's a no bullshit attitude. It's addressing all the common problems that we face and showing how lying to ourselves is really the worst thing you can do to yourself. So a repeat offender on the show, Lauren, welcome back to the Mojo Radio Show. I think that's excellent I was invited back. That's a very good sign. That's the crowd going wild in the background as well there. <laughs> well, mostly we, kind of, we kind of sucked too much the first go around because someone <laughs> of your stature doing the work you do with who you do work with, uh, we can't have been too bad. So... Um, Thanks, thanks for coming back. It means a lot. <laughs> when people do ask Lauren, so, so meet somebody in the street and they say, what do you do? How do you like to reply? I, you know, the world of the life coaching and executive coaching business. I start right there. Like, do you know it? Sure. I've heard of it, right? Where, wherever they are about it. And then I go, well, I was there when it all got started. And I've been, you know, I probably even have one of the only large companies doing it with a method. And I teach in universities, go into companies, work with individuals, and uh, really teach about how to be true to yourself, true to a mission, true to the business, you know. So I, I could do it like right around there. That term really has got a bad name today, isn't it? I mean, when you hear that automatically, and, and the reason I say that, Lauren, and I just want to set this up for the listeners who may not have yeah. heard you last year on the show, but the term has got a bad name because there are people out there doing what you do who did a weekend course, got a paper certificate <laughs> after a weekend and suddenly they're off to the races because they want to do it yes. from their laptop sitting in at the beach somewhere. But your stuff's actually being used in like MIT and Stanford. Like you are at the top end of your game, aren't you? Yes. You know, you go financial advisor. I hope that doesn't mean anyone who's a financial advisor passes the, all the tests of all the same people. Right. They really are the best in class. And then everything from that down. The thing I, I have been attracted to your work about, Lauren, is that, and it's one of the words you use, you said you help people get clear. And I suspect the people who aren't doing great work actually don't get the clarity that you are getting from the people you work with. Tell me, if you looked at the scope of people's worlds today, what areas do people most need to get clarity on? Like, what are we not clear on? I mean, I don't think people are very happily married, not because they don't want to be, right? Not because they're not working on it. So I think there's a level of disconnect on understanding how to make love stay in a marriage and keep it hot and be great parents. And then, you know, and then everything that gets in the way. And then you drink too much, you eat too much, and then everything about one's self-respect, their relationship to being happy and what it means to be alive and well, right? And then you could go right into that category, right? And then the biggest issue I think people have is how they talk to themselves in their mind and how they pretend they're different on the outside. So who they are on the inside is different than who they are on the outside. And they do not know how to get that integrated. That's gold. gold. I reckon that's gold right there, Lauren, out of the gate. <laughs> no, I do. I do, Lauren. I think that is something that people really, really struggle with is that on the outside, 
You know, there's that whole Buckminster Fuller saying, there's nothing about a caterpillar that tells you it's going to be a butterfly. And <laughs> if, you, if you reverse that, there are a lot of people who reckon they're butterflies. Yeah. But when you pull away the, the cover inside, they're unhappy, they're sad, they feel vanilla, yeah. they're disgruntled. Yeah. And, gee, that's, I reckon that's a big issue for people today. How do we start to uncover that? How does someone start to understand? And it's probably the terminology here is, you know, finding your true self or self-awareness yeah. or being one's personal yeah. best. How do we start to strip away the stuff that's not the stuff we want to get down to us and who we are? So first, you know, the, you know so I do it a very particular way. Right. And so I love my process because it forces, in the nicest way you can say force, an individual to deal with facing their inner dialogue by having to do a lot of writing about what they want for themselves in the future and then why they think they can and can't have it and then how they talk to themselves. And really, I get a person to face themselves as they move through the handout method so that they can get clearer and clearer. And then I can teach them the principles so that they can truly take over driving their life. Or, you know, the way I like to say it is designing your life, right? I don't think people do a lot of design work that's right there for them to do. There's someone listening right now because I, I think what you're saying is very profound and gold, golden-like for people. There okay. is someone Good. listening who goes, yeah, that's me. So they're by themselves on the bus, earbuds in, no one else knows <laughs> what's going on, and we are talking specifically to that person. Give me the number one question that in the silence of those earbuds, someone goes, well, I'm actually not clear on who I am and I could be that person that Lauren is working with. Tell me the first question in that process they would need to ask themselves to start to strip away the stuff that we we put this nice facade out on social, put this nice facade that we meet people, but inside I'm feeling hollow, sad, I'm not happy, I'm disgruntled, I know my relationship's not not perfect. Tell me the question I should ask myself. So the I would you know so the first thing I do is I want a person to pick the area in their life that's causing them the most pain that they really believe. If they, if they really fix that one area, everything would get much better. And there really, really is one area that will help the dominoes start to go. And so is it your weight? Is it your money? Is it your love life? Is it your family? Is it your relationship to yourself? Right? Like, you know, so I lay out 12 different areas, but usually one of those areas pretty much is killing a person. And they figured out how to do a lot of workarounds and tolerate it. And it's basically driving them nuts. So pick the one area that's really most uh, severe to you. That if I could come and fix one area, what are you throwing my way? Now you pick the area and then there's the next thing to do. Right. So it's step by step by step by step. I picked the area. On the, okay, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, I'm allowing. Come on, baby. What you got? <laughs> <laughs> He's only I on his the, first coffee this morning. He's a bit slow off the mark. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is you, early. You, I'm um, much better when you take me out for a drive. <laughs> you know, there's, there's like when you speculate and and you talk about something versus it's true and you're in it, right? Yeah, so absolutely. you know, don't throw no, me a bone. I'll run with it. <laughs> no, I think this is no, the reason I'm I'm giving you a chance to 
It's really funny. We had a guy on the show, Taylor Pearson, a couple of months ago, and um, I asked him a question and there was just crickets and the pause <laughs> went on forever. It was like 60 seconds. Yeah. yeah. And in the end, Robert went, you still there? And he went, yeah, I'm thinking. And what it just, what, what it dawned on, and and I hear, I hear, look, you know, thousands of hours of podcasts every week doing research and or people that I like or just wanting to get better at my craft. And what I find is that a lot of interviewers want to be the star and they want to prove to Lauren how good they are. And I just like the idea of giving people airtime for you to be able to think because I think the stuff you've just spoken about, I think in a, in a linear, linear process of, of what, the, what the situation is, how you go about unpacking this, I think is gold. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the only way actually to, because ultimately I'm learn, I'm teaching someone a different way to look at things and language it. And then you don't have, without language, without a way to understand it or get at yourself, you can't change that thing. If I don't give you names of the voices in your head, right? So there's voices in your head that if you can hear the voices in your head doing X, Y, or Z, then you are now aware of what's happening and you now have some power to do something about it. Most people don't have power or even knowledge that there's something that they can do to help themselves in that head of theirs when they look in the mirror, right? That no one even knows they have a voice going off in their head and they never have to tell on it, right? Like, can you tell me what you just said to yourself? Okay, you're 60 pounds overweight. Got it. It's okay. You like food. I Oh, oh excuse me. It's drinking. Okay. Well, why don't we use that for good, right? Like, so we'll earn a drink. Oh, you're having a, you know, your life's a big mess because of the way you manage time. You have a very big job, but you're not getting to everything and you're devastated and working late, not sleeping well, and you're drinking too much and eating crap. Okay, great. So now let's break into those problems and how you talk to yourself all day long. That's actually the source of the problem because, hey there, you're the planner. You're the guy, right? Like all I need to do is get my little hands on you, right? And then if I could get you to change anything, you know, then everything changes like a duh. Do people not take the time to hear that dialogue, Lauren? Is that is that part of the issue? Because I think what you're saying is really profound and I'm sure that dialogue is running amok in everyone's head 24-7. Is it just the fact that the work you do with your process, that you are drawing out that voice and making people accountable to it? So it's almost like, now say it out loud, now say it to yourself. Actually, I would like to, like, basically, <laughs> this is a funny way to say it, but, you know, I fire you from doing one more thing until we regroup and figure out what we're going to direct towards, right? I need your dreams. I need what we're going to rewire that voice to talk about, think about, and act towards. And whatever it's in the middle of doing is not, it's not your best life, is it? Right? So if you're 30 pounds overweight, there's some way you relate to your life, your body, eating, and everything in between that, that gives you cookies at night. And we need you to break into that inner dialogue because you, you know, you're the voice in there, right? You can stop it. You can keep it. You have choices, but right now you feel like a victim and the way you talk about yourself as a victim and you don't even feel like a victim. You're just like, I've always been this way or whatever way you narrate the explanation and justifications for why you look like that, drink like that act like that, treat your kid like what, right? So everything makes sense. So I come in, call a timeout, 
redirect to dreams, get you clear about the dreams. And now I can back you into hearing what's not working about your wiring and what you say to yourself and how you take these actions because of what you're saying to yourself in that little head of yours. Oh, yeah, but Lauren, uh, I come from a big bone. I come from a big bone family. I mean, look at the way the look at the way the president's <laughs> running the country right now. I mean, look oh. at my boss right now. I mean, uh, we just Yours lost the Super mine. Bowl, Lauren. The world, the world's <laughs> gone to crap. The world's on fire, Lauren. It's not my fault. <clears throat> I must was thinking be... of Canada. Should we go to Canada? <laughs> yeah. That justification thing is a big thing, isn't it? I mean, we just justify ourselves into the grave where excuse. Excuse, excuse, it's point the finger, it's someone else's problem. Really, I think what I'm hearing is that you are having people hear themselves, bring that stuff to the fore, you hold them accountable, you don't let them off the hook and you challenge what they're justifying. You're challenging their justifications to say, let's just get honest with ourselves in the mirror. Let's lay it all out. Let's let's truly identify, well, what do you want? If you had a choice, what? take all that out of it, take the justification out. What do you want? Now let's get after it. That's it's in, in a nutshell. It's kind of what you, you're saying to somebody, isn't it? Well, you have to. It you know the the profound moment a person gets. I'm sixty pounds overweight because I eat that much. Period. Right, without any other drama to justify it, is really a profound moment of accountability. Like without all the drama and the, the explanation, like there's nobody else that that's a hand and that's a mouth, right? And everything you're putting in your mouth is you. And everything that you said to yourself that got that in your mouth is wiring, right? So if you have a dream to be 60 pounds lighter and to feel vibrant and to run a marathon, we have to deal with that voice in your head. It's nuts, right? Where did you get it? And then I can get you to get, oh, how overweight is your mama, right? Like, and then I can start to have you understand where you learned it, where you got it, and then how to break up with it. But I'm breaking you into yourself so you can start to have language, so you can start to battle. You know, I call it, you know, fight the real war, inner peace, Right. And if you go, why is the rest of the world a mess? You know, that there's no peace outer world. I'm like, hey, baby, there's no inner peace either. Right. So I'm going to go to work on inner peace that creates outer peace. And I'm not going to be surprised that the, can I curse? Yeah, I think, or yeah, no. absolutely. Robert does all the time. The, the <laughs> silly, like the unbelievably profound, sad, sick shit show that's out in the world in society and in cultures like devastating. I, I don't even know. Like I never get out of a job. Right. And I, I don't know if I'll ever get it done, <laughs> but you know, there, that's the work that I do not think people are doing is breaking into themselves. So they love their lives and love themselves. I don't need you to be skinny. I don't need you to have only like, I don't need you to be monogamous. I don't need you to be straight. I don't need you to be anything except true to yourself. That would make a great different world. So can I break into Lauren's past? And this is something I'm curious about. You have said that when you, there was a period of your life where you were a liar. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> you said you had to deal with that. And what I'm curious about is two parts of this is yeah. 
it's quite an interesting thing to to say to the world, yep, I was a liar. Yeah. And were you lying to yourself or were you lying mostly to others? Everyone. And is that is that part of the issue? Um, the the only place it's it was all of course it's all across the board because there was a place where I was lying to myself that everything I was lying about wasn't going to really hurt me, or screw me later, or turn me into something I didn't want to be. I really just thought I was posturing, managing information, like I had all my justifications. You couldn't handle the truth. You dumped me. I still love you. I, right? I don't want to. I don't know what I really want to do yet, so I don't want to tell anybody. Right? The every way we hide information and manage information and manipulate others to protect ourselves or manage what we want to get is outrageous forms of lying. But we can literally justify every last one of them. So I just. So I was doing all of those shenanigans in serious ways to everyone. It was not very attractive. And then when I, uh, by the the time it was like, I better stop this, this is me. And I, I had my revelation where I literally went back to every last human being and told every sleazy thing I'd ever done in my life. Every, everyone, um, you know, it was, you know, it was, well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was like, but boy, did I have a good list, right? It was, at, you know, between 19 and 21, I was done being a liar. And to this day, has that freed you up to be who you are with the organisation you've created? And I'm going to say your style of coaching because you have built a reputation with some pretty high-flying opinion leaders and thought leaders in the world as being the go-to person for this. Has that freed you to go, you know what, I don't care anymore. This is me. Take it as it. And But actually, it's actually the greatest strength. So by doing it and offending some people with your honesty, you actually empower a lot of others. Has you found that has been a wonderful strength and very freeing for you personally? I haven't had a choice. <laughs> I'm such a, like, uh, I'm such a, like, a, a, a very strict brand of what I am. Like, I can't hold back. I cannot, I cannot posture. And I certainly did turn into something a very long time ago that I've been true to ever since and, and have been more myself ever since. Right. It only stays the same and gets more that way. And it has, in the end, truly worked for me, though I have failed in big ways in the public because I didn't really understand that I didn't. Not everybody would like me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I have I have I have learned the hard way that I'm not applicable everywhere to everyone. Uh, on, the, on the lying thing, Lauren, do you think people lie to themselves and let's go yeah. back to where we started this conversation around this facade we put on the outside, this shell. Do you think we yeah. lie to ourselves in order to create a facade and create an excuse not to crack and not to have a crack? No, it's it's so, it started so young. It started so young. How are you doing? I did great. Because if you said you weren't doing great, someone would stop start talking to you. Right. If you said I'm upset with my boyfriend, you're not telling your mother that you're not. So people have been managing and hiding information to keep other people happy. In like in the name of being good. Right. Like lying is considered a virtue. It's so she it's so creepy how lying is okay, And now it's just like full blown in America. And it even like I can't even understand 
The only part I like about how sick it is, is that at least it's out there. Right? Like, well, at least it's the real, it's the real shit show live. And, you know, oh my live God, free. I can't even believe it. <laughs> now, freak flags are flying in America. <laughs> oh, they're flying everywhere. Um, we we have somebody going, okay, I get all this, and I'm hopefully there are people just doing it. We're all doing a self-audit on ourselves. I think that's a nice right. thing about these conversations, Lauren, is we get to do a self-audit. Now, someone goes, you know what, I'm completely in Lauren's lane. I'm going to do that self-audit. And uh-huh. yes, yes, I know what the dream is, and yes, I know I can do it, and they, they start changing their dialogue. However, between here where we are today listening with these earbuds in, to year, two years, three years, and the track to the dream. There's this big gray area, the, the 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 gray zone. I know it, I can see it, but I'm not doing it. How do we align our thinking to our actions? Uh, the best thing to like, the first thing you should do is start to figure out that you need to feel accountable. And that alone in your own little mirror in the bathroom hasn't quite gotten the job done yet for you. Just so you know, alone in the bathroom with me works great, right? So some people, you know, I I yell at myself in that mirror and I go out and go do what I just said, right? So, you know, some people, you can develop a great relationship with yourself where you can hold yourself accountable over time. But if you don't have that skill, the next thing you should do is make sure you don't do it alone, right? So you would tell your best friend, you would post it. You would, you know, if you post on Facebook, you're going to run the next marathon. You're going to feel compelled to go for a run and to deal with the running schedule, right? Like imagine that if you tell people and if you deal in the public and you put yourself out there, that you will feel way more accountable than having the thought laying in your bed alone. Okay, so the first thing I have a person do is get a coach, get an accountability buddy. For me, if I want to keep a promise, all I have to do is tell one of my kids. Okay, I want you to help me do something. What, mommy? Um, I want to make sure that I run all week for 30 minutes before I go to work. Really? I'll give you 10 bucks if I don't go for the run. (laughs) Robbo, I'll take the 10 bucks. That's it. You'd be 100 down the first day. <laughs> but that's, it doesn't take a lot to shift levels of responsibility and partner with someone immediately and get them in the game with you. Like that's not a hard trick. And, and, peop- and then you can hold someone else's promise. It's not like everybody doesn't need a few good promises. You know, one of my jokes in my book is, oh, I teach where the real promised land is where you keep promises to yourself and others that you want to keep, right? Like that's the promise land. That's where you find yourself. Well, promises to yourself work, Lauren. Like can you, because there's something I've heard you talk about that you make promises to yourself and it's almost like when I achieve that, I get that as a treat. I usually use consequences way more. If I'm not likely to keep a promise, I use a consequence. I don't use a reward. Rewards, I have studied the difference between giving people rewards or giving people consequences where you're taking away something they consider a reward, like my Netflix, right? Or my, you know, something I love to do, my cream in my coffee, Right. Like I'll do something. I'll do anything for cream and sugar in my coffee. That's ridiculous. But it's true. Right. So I'll keep a promise if you take away my coffee. 
And I know that. So if I want to keep a promise, all I have to do is you're not getting coffee. Like, it's simple to play with yourself that way. Well, it's subtle, but it's quite powerful, isn't it? I mean, there is a difference between that. The sophistication comes in the subtleties of it, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a very, you know, one of the things I discovered a long time ago when I was doing this is um, there was a woman who never had written, you know, a television show in her whole life, was in her 40s and had a dream that she hired me to help her write her television show and get it sold. Yeah, right? Anybody clapping and thinking that's happening easy? Nobody, right? And we made a set of promises of what she would do every day till the TV show sold, okay? How much outreach she would do, how much writing she would do, and how much connecting she would do to get edited and eventually deal with everything to get the relationship she needs to sell the show. She sold the show to Hulu, Okay. It took seven years. It only required this consequence. If she didn't do her four hours of work a day that she had committed, she didn't get her wine at night or her, ready, it's a little gross, Swedish fish. Right? She liked a little pile of Swedish fish and a big glass of red wine. And she liked to sit with her husband and watch television. She could watch television. She just wasn't getting her wine and her Swedish fish. And funny enough, if you go, how many times over the seven years did she miss her wine and fish? Four. But she changed her entire life, her entire career, sold the show, and has been writing in television ever since. Right? Like, come on, that's awesome. Right? Awesome. I never even read her work. I didn't even know if she had talent. It didn't even have to, do you know what I mean? It, like, it didn't even have to do with, it just had to do with the amount of effort it was going to yeah. take to get great at something. Lauren, you spoke before about posting, and I just want to ask you about sort of the social media impact on our resilience and grit. And I heard a, a quote that said, nobody cares what you can do on your best day. Is social media giving us a, a like a false impression of life and having effect on our resilience and grit or our because that that lady's story about the the the, the TV series the TV yeah. network buying yeah. her work that that's a great story of the hard work the grit the grind day in day out seven years and people would see the post of hey got the show it's all great and it's going really well they didn't see the seven years of slog. <laughs> got there is 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 social media do you think having an impact on our resilience and grit and our determination and probably propagating the voice of justification more than in the past because in the past when we didn't have social we couldn't see all these glamorous pictures of people's perfect lives we didn't have that because we had very few media choices. Do you think it's having an impact on our backbone? I think it gives us access to more bullshit than we ever needed to be involved in. It's like reading People magazine for people you know, right? It, it's like, okay, if that turns you on, right? Do you understand? Like, it, it's voyeurism. And then what you do with your, your voyeuring or putting your stuff out, it could be great. It could, I have no idea. Right. But it's it's certainly taking up an insane amount of people's time and people go on terrible emotional rides from it. So am I managing how much people are on social media, what they're doing with it to more just get their time back and get their life back and not be in their heads in a way that diminishes their happiness? 
Oh, I, I, yes. Right. That shit drives me crazy and I'm dealing with it all the time and it's a waste of life. But then again, I think reading people magazine is a lie. So, you know, it depends on what you're doing with your day and what your dreams are. Again, I just need to know your dreams and what you wish your life looked like, because then I can tell you where you're blowing your time and what you're waste and what's hurting you and not being true to yourself. I heard in an interview you talked about, and you, you, you said it as a, as a, as a comment as a, at the end of a, an answer you gave, you talked about at some point in life, we're going to face hell. Talk me through how we should be thinking through that version of at some point you are going to face some version of hell. I don't do a lot of hell management. (laughs) And I'm, (laughs) you know, I, I don't really. I predict places where hell will happen if you don't start to manage. So I think I do deal with it from that perspective, right? So if you're not saving money, Right. Is that's dumb and devastating. Right. Like dumb and devastating. Right. And um, oh, my God, my kids thing is is ringing. I have to say, sorry, guys. Um, I want to turn it off so badly. Oh, can't. Fine. Sorry, everyone. It's ringing. I don't even know if you hear that thing. Okay, so back to, see, that was hell right there, right there for a second. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to hell. <laughs> hell happens right there. See how small it can be? Um, So money management, health management, your parents are going to die, right? All of these things are non-negotiable. You're going to die. How you want to live, so how long you live for it. Like thinking long-term is brilliant to avoid hell, right? Dealing with your marriage today right, is so much smarter than seeing how it feels after the kids go to college. So you're, you know, so I really more speculate and get you to face what you need to do today so you don't have hell. So I probably use hell for my benefit. <laughs> hell, what have, you, what have you done in the last, let's say, 100 days, 200 days to simplify your life, Lauren? Because you seem to be very congruent with your day-to-day approach, the work you do, why you're here, your purpose, what you can see in the future, building an organization. What have you what have you taken out of your world recently or simplified in order to give you more time to think? I haven't had to. Right? I so if you're like what do you do to like I stay home. I only go into Manhattan once a week. I do everything over the phone or Skype or FaceTime. I travel to California to do a week there, usually once a month, because I love my California clients and I need to be there face to face. And otherwise I'm home and I paint. Like I do a lot of, like I paint, you know, I've already painted three hours today, right? Got up early, painted in between things. And so I, and then I have three kids running around and a very cute husband, right? Who stayed home till about 11 and we got to hang out, right? So I get to, I have a real, you know, thank God I teach management and how to have everything your way and how to run your life. So you have everything the way that works best for you. Right. And I, I swear I have it. Lauren, so when you are painting, when you're walking, walking the dog, is that where, so Cal Newport would call it your deep work. Is that where you do your pondering and thinking? A hundred percent. 
Like I'm addicted to it. It is literally. And then you want to hear how cute this is. If you ever saw my paintings, I make dots. I connect dots. I do dot patterns. Really? It's really very hokey. No, it's not. That, that's fascinating. You connect dots. That is really. So what, tell me through, talk me through that. Uh-huh. You are in front of a canvas and yep. you're putting up dots. Yep. What's, what's going I'm, through your mind? Uh, well, the thing that here, Eddie, it's even, it gets a little weirder. Everybody brace yourselves. It's going to sound a lot like woo woo. Okay. So what happens is, is I make gifts for people. That's all I do. I make gifts for people. And uh, I also make canvases and paint wood and all different kinds of mediums. And I paint a lot of clothing and I refurbish old, great leather and paint on leather. Like I paint people's things, but there is nothing better than I'm going to make you a pair of boots or a pair of sneakers. I do a lot of men's sneakers, right? And then what happens is, is you tell me your basic color gist, like I like blues and greens. And then I honest to God, channel for you, right? And I never make the same two patterns ever. And there is nothing more fun than kind of going into doing something for someone and and then going on the ride of them, right? So it really is, I end up making what is true to your pattern and dots for you, right? And um, it's so much fun. And I'm just in my head thinking and having fun. There's always really good music in the background. I, I, you know, if you go, what's the most important, one of the most important ingredients in my life, I would tell you music. Uh, And, and if, if someone else, and I will make clients like, you don't listen to music. You're kidding, right? That is that you're missing something in life, right? You need music in your life, right? So that is something that, and I'm shocked at how many people don't have music in their home right? Where all the kids know and karaoke and play and really like get music in their lives. Anyway, but uh, that's what I do. Now, I think that's interesting. And we had a guy called David Heinemir Hansen on the show only a couple of weeks ago. And he was the guy behind Basecamp and wrote Rework and Remote. And I'd heard a lot of interviews with David and I was a bit of a fan from a distance. And one of the things I asked him about which he'd never considered was the fact that he's an auditory learner. When even when he did his driving test, he narrated the whole driving test to his instructor because he talks himself through things. What's occurred to me with hearing you either interviewing you or hearing you being interviewed and with what you just said is you seem to be terribly auditory in terms of it's all conversations, you're very tonal you love your music, you talk about these things. It seems as as a learning style, you're very auditory the same way that David is, which leads me to my question, which is how do you you learn, record, store ideas? Because in order for you to be of service to others and do the work, you've also got to have the great new inputs that you can then process, design, add to, subtract from, and so on. Being auditory, how, how do you, are you an audio book person? Are you a podcast person? Or is it, how, where and, and how do you record if you're an auditory person? What happens is my entire business is auditory. First of all, you're dead right, right? Like I am such, I, I have to talk. I even have to listen to things in order to edit them, right? And rewrite them, right? So people have to read me everything, right? Except for client homeworks, I will sit down, but I need it printed so I can like hold it and read it. 
I can't even handle it on my computer, right? Like I can't, like, don't even ask. Okay. Sorry, trees. I apologize. Um, so planet actually, uh, maybe I should stay. Okay. So what happens is, is my company's organized too. So every month we have an executive meeting. I am asked every month, what new method have I come up with? Like I'm accountable for developing new method. And then the person who's taking down all the notes to write the answers to my report is calling me to answer the questions in the report that I designed that then goes out to all the executives. So you're, you're completely right. And what I have is people who basically manage to that ability of mine. Well, it's interesting because something can be a challenge is when you have attracted people who are writers who are very visual, where they need to, if you tell me about it, I, it's not going to go. It's going to go in one and out the other. I need to see it. I need a picture. Draw me a picture. Yeah. Have you tended to attract more auditories, or do you find that the way you describe things, you have to be able to describe it in such a way that they can see it or feel it? Most of the people who are working for me are coaches that love to write. Right. So the the bigger issue that I end up having is I can't have someone who doesn't really deeply understand the method taking notes for me. Right. So I can't, I need someone educated, you know, so that it, so it ends up being a problem, right. For me, but, um, but I've solved the problem because there's people who want to be coaches and write and work inside the company. And so uh, that's what I have. And then they really love to talk, love to write and love the method. And then, you know, want to write the blog, want to get the notes, want to get the notes to corporate, want to get, but, you know, so, and then I'm, I am kind of fun. So then talking with me and figuring it out and then having to read it back to me and then me editing it, it isn't that I can't, it's like, I, that's the only way I'm going to get it done. And so I, and I don't need a lot of people. We're talking about three people now, right. That I have found over the years. And then they are, you know, have changed over the years, but I I seem to be okay. (laughs) You had this um, persona and I'm sure this is the case with the top level that you, the, the, the clients you, you play at the, at the top level um, across the world, you have this persona of being very strong, very clear in what needs to be done. You mentioned a couple of times the method. You have this reputation of being no BS. I'm just curious, Lauren, with someone who has that persona, what, what's, what do you fear? Is there anything that you have as a great fear that you carry with you? My biggest, you know, so I don't question whether I have the goods. It's devastating if I don't leave the goods behind well. Right, like I have the gift of, like I am so moved by how blessed I am that I get to facilitate this education into the world. Like, oh my God, what a privilege to have my life, to live my life, to even be me. And to, you know, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get the job done. That, you know, I, you know, our business is, you know, is not nearly as successful as it needs to be to change the world. Right. Like I'm, I'm definitely not passing my own tests and that, that really are, those are my fears. My fears live in how big can I get? How am I going to build this? Because I'm really much better as a coach, coaching others directly in their lives, their dreams and fulfilling on their dreams and doing all of that is the most fun for me. But then again, I need to do that for myself at the same time. Right. And so that's a little tricky. Right. So that's been my life's dilemma. 
is building the business and being remarkable at the business at the same time. I think it's gold, the fact that there's no question you have the goods, but the fear is not leaving the goods behind. I reckon that is absolute gold. Aw, it's really my, you know, that's it. That's my every day, you know, and then I, I use this line that I mean really seriously, which is I won't get to vote on how I really did with my life until the last blink. You know, like I don't get to vote. Like it, the game is not over until I got it as far, like until I got this ball as far as I could get it and turned it over to someone I ridiculously trust to keep going. You know, like there's there's no option. I want to put it on you. We haven't spoken to you for about a year now and I'd like to know what is the new stuff you talked about before that you are constantly taking the responsibility of finding the new method. Can you share something with us that is a new method that you are working on that perhaps we haven't heard yet? Definitely. Ready? Ready. So you're going to have to, okay, ready? (laughs) Shoot. Okay. And just be, (laughs) you ready? And just, and uh, yeah, anyway, so this is, this is the latest, newest, funnest. We, you know, all the execs are playing with it and teaching it and learning it all at the same time right now. So we should get our journals out right now, is that right? The, the fabulous part of really good method is once I explain it to you, you wish you could forget it, right? <laughs> so if I get my job done really well, it bites we, you and you will be screwed. To, you will see it forever. Nice. Right? Start, so hopefully we should start recording, you, don't need a note- <laughs> <laughs> you don't need You don't need a notepad. I need to actually do a good job. And then you'll, you'll, you'll help me do a good job. Okay, so here's how, we, here's how it goes, okay? So- So I start by saying that I really consider this pecking order, right? Like a relationship to power and oneself. And so as I deal in corporations with individuals dealing with each other, this has really been incredibly valuable to give people like a way to short circuit and go straight to telling the truth or seeing their power dynamics with others. But it really also works with you at home with you, with your kids, with you in life, with you driving on the street, right? It works because it's an inside job of how you don't necessarily see yourself interacting in the world where you're dominating, avoiding domination, power, all different forms of dynamics. So ready? Here we go. So imagine that it really is true that you can go one to one with anyone, with anything, one to one. Right. I tell the truth. I am exactly who I am. I expect them to do the same. It's like one to one. It's brutally honest. It's great. It's the power is equal. And you can even be equal with an eight year old or a taxi driver. Right. Like you could like there really is a dynamic where you feel equal. You talk to someone with full respect, equal respect and one to one. Okay, so imagine that's true. Okay, here's the next one. Imagine that there really are ones in the world, someone who's a one, powerful, the one, the leader, and that that one and someone else is a two, right? Like actually a two. But there are twos that are incredibly powerful, happy to be a two. Like, I don't want to be the boss. I'm not the boss. You're the boss. I think you're a great boss. I am so happy to be your number two. So it isn't that I'm less than you and you're dominating me. And that I feel less than and you're more powerful. It really is happy to 
happy to be a two to someone else's one. So for example, in my marriage, I may make all the money, but my husband manages all the money and he's awesome at it. Right. And he's, and I, and really, if I want to spend any money or do anything with money, I go to him. He really is number one. I really am a two and I honor the rules. And I'm so like, I'm proud of how he's doing that job. I don't want the job. Okay. So I'm a two, he's a one, but we're very powerfully set up that way. Right. Um, make sense so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, this is okay, awesome. Good. This is great. Okay, great. Okay, so then imagine that there really is a two with a one, like someone who's a two with a one. But you know what that person who's a two does? They make a running list in their head of everything the one is doing wrong. Like a little two knows better has a running list of all the ways they're watching that other, their leader, their one, screw up. They gossip, they get roll their eyes, they get annoyed. Like there really is a two who has a running list of a one and is basically a pretty good leader killer, okay? Or covert hostility is another good name for it, but they're not even hostile, they're just really, and they're not telling the truth. They won't go one-to-one with that person. You get that? They won't go one-to-one. They have a one list in their head, but they won't go one-to-one with that person because they hold themselves weaker than. They actually hold themselves as a two, but they keep like this dark list in their head. Mm. Okay? Make sense? Yep. Okay. Then imagine, now we're switching a different gear. Then imagine that there really is a leader who's a one, but does this very interesting thing acts like a two, is a one, no question, that's the boss, but acts like a two and makes everybody else feel like a one. Oh, that's such a great idea. Oh my God, what do you think we should do about that? What it, like, can't be anything but so nice, puts everybody else up on a pedestal. This person, this leader is the worst with confrontation. Can't go one-to-one with someone. Ends up unhappy with a list about other people, but has to treat them so well that they feel like they're a martyr. They're doing other people's work. They get screwed as a one because they always have to act like a two and treat everybody else like they're a one. Make sense? I call this one the tap dancer, the placator. Right. The you'll figure out why I didn't answer you back one day because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. Like I don't answer those emails. I answer two lines in those emails, but that's it. And then you even know, like, oh, aren't you cute? You don't want to tell me the truth. Right. You're mm-hmm. like, you? so that person is a leader, but is 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 in a very strange dynamic with themselves. OK. Yep. OK, great. Then there's this other one. Ha ha ha, one. Um, so imagine that there is someone who's a one on the outside. Like, oh my God, they did such a great TED talk. They led, they were so great. And when they get home and they look in the mirror or they speak to their best friend, they're like, I don't know if I was good enough. I don't like, so in their head, they're a two, but in the world, they're a one. Okay. Right. They and they really are, but they don't feel it. They can't own it. They like something's really wrong because to themselves, they're never good enough. OK. OK, here we're now we're switching another interesting one. So there really are people who think of themselves as ones. And 
everyone else is a two. <laughs> like I really am superior and you really aren't. Right. So th this is the leader that can treat people like shit. Right. That really like and thinks they're doing you a favor. Right. Like actually. Like, I'm the leader, you're a two, I'm superior, you're kind of inferior. And I'm allowed to talk to you however I want to talk to you or not get back to you or do whatever I want to do. And then what happens to that person is from time to time, that person will think other people are remarkable, like the one who has way more money than them or got, you know, got to build that company by the time they were 35, right? So there, there's people that they admire that they feel then inferior to. So they turn into a two themselves and they think other people are ones. So they end up with inferior experiences, but mostly superior experiences and make other people feel a bit inferior. Right, you could talk to a taxi driver like you're a one and they're a two. Yep. Okay. And then you know, and then you meet a famous person and you talk to them like they're a one and you're a two. Right. So it can happen pretty quickly. Uh, so those are the mo those are most of them. And then what I say to people is, oh dear God, you're doing all of them depending on the subject and depending on the person, and it flips all around. And the more you can figure out where you're doing it and how you're doing it, how do you talk to your wife? How do you talk to your kids? How do you talk to your kids about this subject? How do you talk to your employees about this subject? Right? Like what voice are you in? How do you feel? How are you treating people? And then you really can make a list of everyone in your life and go, what's the dynamic with them? Are you a one to a two? Is it a two one? Is it this? Right? And you start, you can make the specs out pretty easily. And then you can see the conversations you're not having. And then the goal would be to go one-to-one -one or turn into a really healthy two to someone else's one. And that's about it. And then notice all the other ones and stop them. <laughs> I think it's actually really powerful because what you really, is it a case of almost consciously bringing yourself to the moment of how you are perceiving, acting, like it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a conscious way to say where am I at right now in this moment, either as a leader interacting with others or as a follower interacting with a leader and or with being with team members of a footy team is that at, at all times you can kind of audit where am I, what am I, how am I perceiving the situation, how am I already thinking about this? It's kind of like a, an audit, isn't it? Like it's a, it's a way to audit where you, where you are and what you're doing. It's the quickest button you could ever ask yourself and have a good answer to really fast that could then immediately shift your context, mm. right? That's the game I'm in. If you can hear yourself, if you can nail something really quickly, you can flip it. You can turn it on and off, yeah. right? You have, you have control if you can figure out, die. if you can invent a dial, you can use it. So this is inventing a button, right? Like ask yourself, like where you are right now. And, and, and you can lay it out pretty quickly. And the other ones that get very interesting that I think is, I've been moved by this method because it even, it even lets me hear where I am a two and the way the world works is a one. Like the world, like I'll be lucky if I hope right? Versus one-to-one, -one, I make everything happen in my life. Keep going, right? So there's a relationship to, to yourself, to the world, 
to everything that this ends up making sense for and then can shift your dynamics so that you feel most, you know, just confident about yourself and your choice of who you're being in that moment. You know, just to finish up here, Lauren, just to, to, to segue off the back of that. So sure. somebody hears, hears this piece, this new method. How do you how do you keep people from leaving, coming back, leaving, coming back? How do you because there are people who play the long game who are in at 365, 24-7, and it just it just becomes something, it's an innate thing for them. How do you get your clients to not rely on Lauren, but to start to educate themselves to play the long game? Because the the I may be holding their promise and holding them to their consequence, which is really what I'm doing. So if you go, how do you really break out of being predictably falling back into the same pitfalls again? There really is going for a run four times a week, eating right, and and only, you know, cheating on weekends and taking one day off. You know, like there really is method to how to have a great body, how to be great at your job, how to be a good parent. Like there, there really is how to be a great husband to that wife or that you know, be a great wife to that. Like there really is exactly the five promises that if you kept those five promises, your life would be significantly better. And, and, and if, if someone could just pause on that truth, like what are the five promises that if I actually got reliable about these five things, nothing would ever be the same again. The lows would never go so low ever again. Right. And it would only keep making me go higher. Do they keep those at the front of their journal? Is it something they have on the top of their page each morning, Lauren? Is it written on a mirror? How do we, how do we keep that front of mind to go back to it? Because we hit these funks. And once we hit these funks, we tend to go down and get deeper and deeper until we catch up with Lauren and Lauren says, hey, let's go back to the five truths. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what do you get people to do the five promises? Where, do they... Is there a, a process you take them through where at the top of the page each yeah. day before they start each day, the, 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 the five promises are there or is it written somewhere? Or what, what, how, how do we do that? Okay, so th- there's, two, there's two cheap, easy products that I sell that will rock your world, right? One, and the most important thing is that you know yourself through the whole process and, and actually do it, right? Like, I, you know, now we're talking about something that takes – really weeks and weeks and weeks to really learn something. And then, you know, what I do say is that what I'm teaching is a lot like the GPS, right? Once you get it you act, and you can practice it, you actually totally get its value and you really don't want to ever go back to maps, right? Like ever. So if I get my job done, you know, so the thing I sell is a, is a program where there's 10 sessions with me and it's called Inner You. And then the homework is explained and it's digitally, it's digitally set up and there's a coach available at all times for you to ask questions. And you could get a buddy and meet other people who are doing the same thing, dealing in their lives with how to design their lives and keep promises and catch their inner dialogue and start to deal with being accountable to their vision, not their bullshit, right? And so even the reason I can make it sound easy is because I've been doing it for 20 years and teaching people how to do it for 20 years. And I swear the main objective is that you learn it for yourself so you know how to use the GPS. We had a guy on the line with us who's a good mate of ours. He's been back a few times, a guy called Ryan Munsey, who's now does his own podcast called The Better Human Project. And one of the things that Ryan said is whenever he's reading a book, he always asks himself through the book, 
what's the author really trying to say? With your book, Maybe It's You, what is the, if you could nail it down to, you know, a phrase or a sentence in that book, what is the author trying to say? You're much, much, much greater than you know. You are so much cooler than humans are so much more profound and avail- like, oh my God, are we, are we, are we blowing it? <laughs> right. We are, we are blowing it for Netflix and a cookie, right? Like you, like, oh my God, guys, we are so much like, you have no idea you can change, heal, fix, get laid, have way more fun tonight. If you even figured out how to speak in a different lane at all. Right. So there's so much more fun available. Right. There's so much more available to you about your own life that you're not playing with that. That's all I care about. Like, come on, humans. Okay, you just made the studio wall. That saying is going up. We are blowing it for (laughs) Netflix and a cookie. That's gold. (laughs) (laughs) It's going right next to Tate Fletcher's The World's on Fire. Oh, uh, but if I was talking, given how many, I just so you know, just given that I'm talking to Australians, I also have to say and a drink. Yeah, Sim Tam. Sorry, sorry, people. Sorry, people. Sorry, people. Uh, that is absolutely cool. What a great way to finish. Now, um, you've talked about the method. You've talked about the programs you have. I just mentioned the book. Where do you send people, Lauren, to get your stuff? So handelgroup.com, handelgroup.com. Uh, Inner You is um, our digital program, and my book is Maybe It's You. But And then if you want a life coach, you want executive coaching, we do everything, and we'd be happy to get on a plane or go over Skype. Right. And there's, there's, you know, I have 60, I have 60 employees. Right. So it's not, it's, it's, it, I have amazing people doing that. Getting on a plane to Australia is preferable though, right? Surely. Oh my God. I do fly business. Obviously. I am sorry, people. <laughs> I am that girl. Um, but I would love, I would, I would, I'll be there. You want me? I can get there. And New well, Zealand's on is- my list too. Oh, New Zealand's the most beautiful country. We coach actually a government organization that's helping bring businesses to the United States from New Zealand. And we work with the New Zealand government because everyone in my company wants to go to New Zealand. <laughs> like we all like, when are we going? And I'm like, well, let's see what we could do about working there. Yeah. I think it must be because New Zealand are our neighbours. We sort of look across the ditch and go, yeah, New Zealand. Mm, how about Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, you know, I still haven't been to the Statue really? of Liberty. Really? Oh, yeah, really. Yeah, really. Wow. Jeez, wow. I've done that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, right? Well, Lauren, yeah. this has been an absolute treat. We, uh, we were very delighted when you made contact to say, let's chat some more. It's um, the content you've dropped today, the gold you've dropped really has just, um, it's just added to the stuff we had in our conversation last year. So thank you. We, we feel very privileged having you back. Glad you came back. You made us feel good. Gets our mojo working, knowing that people of your stature would want to come and spend some time with us. So um, thank you. Anytime, really. The Mojo Radio Show. So, mate, you've got to love a bit of Lauren. I love a bit of Lauren on a a Monday morning, yeah. See what? There's no hiding. There's no hiding. There's no hiding. (laughs) I mean, she's straight up. You've got to set face up. What's your problem? Let's fix it. You either fix it on the bus or you're on your way, so to speak. Face up, fess up. Indeed. That's why I think she works well with the Mojo Radio. She's either on the bus or you're not. Well, you're not. That's right. And that's pretty true for all our listeners, I think, especially these guys here. Hardcore. Uh, all right. So let's, we're going to run around the room. Uh, I'm going to ask each of the guys for the song that gives them their mojo, gets Fair their enough. mojo working. We're doing it on a vote basis or what? I'm gonna, I'll, 
Don't jump ahead. Okay, sorry. Stay with me. Yeah, stay on right. the bus. You just I'm just getting hungry. Seat. I'm looking forward to dinner. Stay in the Valua seat covers. <laughs> just keep that lava lamp going. Keep it steady, steady to the wheel. All right, Mike, what's the song get your mojo working? Well, it's not rock and roll. It's a bit bit Western. I really like Chris Christopherson and the Silver Tongue Devil and I. It always gets me. Oh, you're in Gary's boat. Okay, we've got a bit country. This yeah, is yeah. I'm just hey. checking under the table, see if there's this any is, cow boots under there, cowboy boots positive. under there. This is looking positive. <laughs> we go down the room. Rodney? We're down the young end of the room now. There'll be no more cowboy shit down there. Yeah, mine's probably a bit more pop. Uh, it's uh, Fiona Apple, Fast As You Can. Oh, nice. Fiona Apple, one of Chrissy Ampler's favourite artists, can Fiona I just say, Apple, in her day. Who's yeah, one, absolutely. I think six Grammys, singer-songwriter. Huge artist, absolutely, yeah. Good call. I thought being Chili Bomb, you would have gone uh, hot, red, hot, red, red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> that would probably but, uh, be a bit cliche, cliche. yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Jace. Uh, probably Barnsley working class. Oh, man after my own heart. Thank you very much. There you go. Stop yeah. there. That's it. That's all yeah. we need to know. Yeah. That's enough. I think, I think we have a winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> Steve. How cliche is that? Um, <laughs> mine's actually a Jerry Goffin and Carol King song up on a roof because that's where I go to clear my head. Oh, nice one. There you go. Matt, the, the honourable guest tonight. This is even more cliche and you're going to hate this answer, but I listen to music all day and so when I need to be motivated, I actually go to silence. <laughs> I don't know if we can close the show with complete silence. It would, it would be good, actually, though. The reason why I like silence is because it allows all the ideas and stuff going around in my head to slow down and maybe connect to each other and come up with an idea that I wouldn't have come up with if I was actually trying to come up with an idea, that kind yeah. of incubation. Nice. Ben Kingsley won the Academy Award for Gandhi, said, Stillness and silence are my currency. All right, so... Producer's choice, Chris Christopherson. <laughs> is there a contest? Is Fiona there really Apple. a contest? Wait, I can hear that guitar, piano, Jimmy, guitar starting now. Jimmy, <laughs> What was yours, Steve? Jerry Goffin. Jerry Goffin. Carol King and Silence. Okay. Now, look, Darren, in, you're paying for dinner. It's in the mix. I'll tell it's you what I'll mix. do. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the producer's choice. The producer's choice is we'll play Barnsley now because God knows you can't Jimmy. not play Barnsley. But over the next few weeks, we'll work the rest of those songs into the show. How's that? Negative. We're out. <laughs> Working hard to make a living. Bringing shelter from the rain. A father's son left to carry on blue denim in his veins.
The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealTimeCasting.com Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.